The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Nobody has to dig up dirt on me because, like, I self-report. This is going to be easy for you, okay? Really? Like, I look at my life and generally think a couple of things. One, I have been blessed way beyond what I deserve. This is true of most of us, but I'm aware of it earlier than some. But um, particularly when I think back to myself as a college student and think, um, so I was in this room 22 years ago, and for whatever reason, we made that the front of the room over there. Okay, that was good. So um, I remember that, you know, probably because there were less people here then. And um, were, were any of you here? Shut up. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Little baby. Um, but I remember, um, I remember so much about that, but also just by being here tonight, it really just brings me back to the sense of God has brought me so far. And not that like I'm like, I mean, you'll catch on really early. It's like, well, you know, he said he's brilliant, but maybe it was an overstatement. So uh, just on the Facebook post. But what I am is somebody that um, I've tried not to let go of Jesus over the last 22 years. And even when I've stumbled and fall, um, Jesus has never let go of me. And here's, I mean, this is just, you know, if I, if I was ever going to have a really big tattoo, this would be it. That uh, God's way is always best. That if you will pray this prayer sometime this weekend, this year, Lord, have your way in my life. Let me tell you, it's a dangerous prayer, by the way. Like where I've ended up in life is not what I had set out in front of me. It's just better. That's all. But getting there means hanging close to Jesus, close enough that even when you fall and can't quite find the right way, that he just grabs you and says, I got you. Here we go. If I don't have much else to share with you that is quotable, that you'll write down, I think you'll catch this, that I really believe that the God of the universe has a hold of me and that that's what God intends. I believe that I have this intimate walk with Jesus because that's what Jesus wants for me to have. And even when I've tried to screw it up or miss, God's intention has been, has been bigger than my failings. So I hope you'll catch that, that, that if nothing else, you could kind of go, there's some old guy walking around this planet that thinks that he really still knows Jesus with a passion like he did 22 years ago, that thinks that God has filled his life with things that he doesn't deserve, that thinks that that same God still has a lot in front in store for me and has gone to prepare a place for me, for you, that's going to be awesome. That's the God that I know, the God that I got to know while I was at the University of Washington. But I'm a little bit, wow. So how does this work for me? If I talk down, is it bad? I did this, Oliver. I know it's me. Never talk down. Is this good? Can you hear me if I go like this? Okay, it's good. Let me start a little bit with... Okay, see, that's not... That's, <laughs> not let me, let me, let me. Just, we'll just do sign language. It'll be awesome. So let me tell you who I am a little bit, okay? First of all, as you heard, I, I did start my college career at the University of Oregon. I should point out that in those days, no one cared about the University of Oregon. They had been asked, both them and Oregon State, to consider leaving the Pac-10 conference because they were non-competitive. Oh, we long for those days, don't we? 
oh, that would be really good. Because I've talked to a bunch of my friends from Oregon now that are like, well, how do you feel about the rivalry? And let's be honest about the football rivalry. There isn't one. Because we've lost like 10 straight times, right? And I just want you to know, because if you, is it 11? Nine. Okay. Well, whatever. Bottom line is, you guys were like eight, nine, or ten the last time we won, okay? And I don't say that to dog the Huskies. I just want you to know, I'm going to say it here. We used to kick their butt all the time, okay? In those days. Can you feel it with me now? Can you? I mean, it's just, it's in the air a little bit. I mean, today was crisp, almost like a fall day. It felt like a day maybe you'd get ready to go down early to get your seat down in the new Husky Stadium, which is going to be tremendous next year. And there's a buzz in the air. And I'm just telling you, these days are coming back. Because Chip is gone and the sanctions are coming. Come on, let's hear it. So, anyways, I started at the University of Oregon, but that's because um, I was a runner. Anybody here a runner? You like to run? That's fantastic. Good. Yeah, it's great. It's a sport that people do that... um, I wasn't good at basketball, and so I wanted to be good at something. I started running, and like Forrest Gump, I just kept running. And, and <laughs> every now and then, I'd run through a finish line. They'd go, hey, you won. I'd go, hey, all right, I'm good at this. So I kept running, and I wanted to run to the University of Oregon. Um, went down there, and I, I got injured my senior year in high school, so I never ran college track, and, and I immediately wanted to come back home and be, be with my friends. And so when I moved back here... I moved into the Greek system. I am a Kaisai. Any chipsies in the house? Probably. No? Yeah, maybe. Anybody? So uh, I think we have a picture or two of uh, my wife and I there. So that's the... Check out the pants, by the way. Will we? I have the, uh, the vertical stripes. They're quite slimming. They're fantastic. Um, Heather's got this flower deal going on. It's great. So uh, that's the Kaisai Luau. We used to make the whole lodge, you know, like a Hawaii, but that's on the back porch with it. We made a fountain. It was fantastic. And uh, so that's us there in 1987. Whoo, yep, that's right. Picture man, that's what we had. Those are real, real prints. No digital. Okay, that hadn't been invented yet. Okay, next picture. Um, that's us. Uh, Heather's Kai Omega. And so there we are at the, at the Winter Formal in, in 88. They're a beautiful time. And, you know, um, I just, I got to tell you this about Heather. Okay, so, um, because people um, look at our kids, and our kids are pretty tall. And then they look at me, and they give me a funny look all the time, like, you know. And I'm like, okay, my wife's tall, her family's tall, right? And she's super, super competitive. It doesn't matter if it's Corkle. Anyone played that game? It's really fun. doesn't matter if it's Yahtzee. doesn't matter what it is. She likes to win. She, she thinks that she sort of has it under control, like, you know, hey, I, you know, I have perspective. She has zero perspective, okay? She wants to win all the time. But it's part of the reason I married her. I mean, I remember at the Kaisai Luau, uh, we went out in the backyard of Kaisai. There's full court-ish basketball court. And so we're playing basketball out there, kind of messing around, shooting hoops and stuff. And I'm thinking, this, she's pretty cool. I like this girl. We've been dating a while, and she's pretty cool. So we play basketball. Her dad coached high school basketball for 30 years. She was a good basketball player. She's decently competitive, but pretty sure I could take her. So anyhow, we're playing, and um, I um, score, and then, but it wasn't make it take it. And so then she goes, she's got the ball, and she starts to go by me, and she throws an elbow as she goes by, right? <laughs> she hits me right in the nose, okay? I know you're thinking, big target. Anyhow, she gets me there. So. <laughs> See, again, I'm throwing myself right under the bus for you. You just laugh as it goes by. But... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, anyhow, she hits me right in the nose. My nose starts bleeding. I'm just like, oh, you know how it just stings, you know? You ever been there? And it just, the eyes are watering. 
and this is how I remember it. She remembers it differently, also known as wrong. But uh, <laughs> she, she hits me in the nose, and she goes and finishes, <laughs> and then she comes back to see if I'm okay. And I'm like, I am marrying this woman. <laughs> she, she's awesome. I totally love her. So that's what you, you, when you, a Kaisai and a Kaio get together, you know, I'll tell you what. University Ministries was critical to us. I became a Christian, learned, just began to follow Jesus Christ at the end of high school through Young Life. So I had like two Jesus stories and um, like a Bible that my Young Life leader had given me. And Heather became a Christian through University Ministries while she was a sophomore college. We actually met up at uh, Malibu during uh, spring work week, which, by the way, it's for sale now. You guys can get going on it. It's fantastic. And not just because Heather and I met there. Oh, it's been spouse quest since long before our time. There's no question. But um, we did. We, we met up there, and um, I, I remember coming back from there and thinking, wow, I really do want to follow Jesus. And she, I had really kind of wandered away while I was down at Oregon. Imagine that. And uh, when, here I was back and really had recommitted my life to Christ. And at the same time, my wife, so we were there, but we didn't, we, we even had a lunch together. We didn't realize that we were in the same camp together because God was doing business with both of us. I was recommitting my life to him, and she was coming home for the first time. And it was the next winter at this retreat where they broke us into small groups, and there was this girl in my group, and she was cute. So uh, we started talking, but I really look back and see the parallel paths um, that the Lord had us on at that time, but also that um, we both think about this, because we were talking and praying just about me coming and talking here, and she said, I mean, it's just amazing how God invaded our lives and got a hold of us, because we were on different paths. We were headed somewhere else. And many would say that the paths that we had laid out for ourselves were successful paths. We had much in front of us that people would kind of go, way to go. You can be a success. It would be fantastic. But God's path was better. And he had to grab hold of us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the way that God generally grabs hold of people is through overwhelming love. If you don't trust the hand of God invading your life, you will run as far and fast away from it as you possibly can. Some of you have been doing that this year. You don't trust what God says about your today. You don't trust what God has said about your past. You're certainly not going to trust him with your future. But when God lovingly but persistently runs up alongside of us and invades our lives with love, then all of a sudden we're willing to say, hey, wherever you want to go, I want to go with you. It just so happened that for me, it happened at the same time for my future wife. And so anyhow, we got going. The rest of college is pretty cool. Um, we were both Young Life leaders. Um, I, I, I was known as the wedding singer for all of our friends that got married in the 80s. It's really fantastic. It's sweet. Yeah, it's great. I'll sing you some of those troubadour songs later on. You'll go, wow, that's awesome. Um, I was involved for a while as a, as a member of, wait for it, Run UPC. That's right. A very white, very 1980s rap group that performed at the end all the time. <laughs> I enjoyed... Uh, Minor celebrity status, I like to say, and uh, you can determine for yourself just how minor it is, but uh, it was, as I look back now, and I've been in Young Life for a long time, and I've had the pleasure to do urban ministry for a while, and I'm sort of like, oh man, that was just bad rap. That was just, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't like it is now, but even by the, by, you know, I mean, DMC was kicking it in the 80s, and they were really good, you know, and we would just take these tracks and then change it to, like, anybody remember Run DMC's UB Illin? It's a great song. Go check it out. Come on. You can, seriously, you guys, get your rap roots going on, you kids. Uh, anyhow, we changed it to, are you willing to sacrifice? Say, are you willing to do it for Jesus Christ? Are you willing? Because it could save a life. But are you willing? Bum, 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 bum. There you go. Okay, you look it up on YouTube tonight. Hopefully you won't find me there. That'd be great. So, anyhow, here we were. Um, life was pretty good. I'd met my girlfriend who became my, my best friend, now my wife. Um, I was an English major, which means I actually enjoyed my classes, and which was cool. Um, and if I wasn't hanging out with high school students uh, as a young life leader, I was uh, hanging out Green Lake in the spring, enjoying a little bit of sunshine. I love Seattle, and I love the University of Washington, and I'm grateful for just the formative times um, that it was for me. It, it's weird for me to be here this weekend, not because my son, who's a freshman at the University of Washington, is here. That's not weird for me at all. And I actually don't think it's all that weird for JD, because all of his life, he's been at some camp. Where I've been telling some story about him running around in a diaper, okay? And so <laughs> this week, I'm going to change all those stories and say that they were Drew. That's his little brother. They'll still be JD, but we'll feel better about that, won't we? <laughs> so um, it's not weird for me, and it's awesome. Honestly, okay, I know this is weird because in some levels you're like, I just can't picture you're at this different phase of life. But can you imagine? Okay, just close your eyes for a second. Picture yourself 20 years from now. You look good, huh? <laughs> I mean, I do. So, uh, but picture yourself. Do you picture kids? Do you picture a job? Do you picture friends around you? Okay, I got all that. You can open your eyes now. From here on out, I'll consider you sleeping if you close your eyes. So, I'm just amazed that, again, all these good things in my life, there's not one good thing that's in my life that's there because of me. All of it is because God says of me, you are my beloved. Great news is, we're all tied for first place on that account. He says the same thing about you and wants to fill your life with good things. And so it is really incredible and fun for me to be able to be here and see my son, who's now a freshman here, and just know this. Look, hey, I'm comfortable with him and he's comfortable with me. We have a good relationship. God's right in the middle of our lives. I can't believe that. When I, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have pictured that. I would have figured I'd have screwed that up somehow. I'd have figured that I didn't deserve a life like that. If you can hang with me a little bit this weekend and lean into not what I say about God's intentions about you, but what the Bible says and Jesus reveals about God's intentions for your life, because I think we misunderstand God all the time. If we really understood the intentions of God, we would run toward him and not away. We would not hide the stuff of our life, but we would reveal it, knowing that the only place that we're ever going to be healthy and whole is in front of the holy God who doesn't say that you're okay because you're holy too, but because I say you're okay, because I have made you whole. That's the God that I know. I have proof in the room tonight that God's way is always best. But you know, I get how sometimes... Um, we can misunderstand God. 
because we don't picture them the way that the Bible says. We just picture them the way that society has formed an authority figure for us. Most of the time when you picture an authority figure, like my son Cole today, he told me that they had, again, the really cool substitute who speaks French. And I said, oh, that guy. And he goes, yeah. And if you talk, you spend a minute in recess or five minutes after school or 15 minutes after school, depending on you know, how long it went. And it was really interesting because I'm thinking Cole will probably not have to spend a minute or five minutes or 15 minutes because when he sees an authority figure, he immediately goes, what do I have to do to make sure I don't get into trouble? Which I guess is probably all right for like a fourth grader. It becomes really dangerous when we start to view God as that authority figure in our life. What do I need to do to make sure I'm on the right side of things? How do I make sure um, that I'm good enough for God? Because there's a sneaking suspicion, and it's a right suspicion that you get after a while, that if it's up to you to be good enough to be in relationship with the holy God, it is never going to happen, right? But what if it's different? What if an incredibly perfect, wonderfully just God has come down from the place of authority and made us right? Then we'd be crazy not to run into that relationship. People would say, why wouldn't you take that for all that it's worth? So not because I say so, but if you would allow that maybe it's possible that like me 22 years ago, you might need to lay aside some perceptions you have of God and God's authority and take a look at not what I say, but what the Bible says in terms of the God who loves you just as you are tonight, not as you should be. Is not interested in a bunch of rules and behavior modification for your life, but really wants to capture your heart. If that happens, look out. So when the kids were little, I think I have another picture up there um, of the guys. And that, that's uh, JD's in the back, and his little brother Drewby's right in front of him there. And then we got... Uh, Wow, Nolan and Corey. Corey's on the left. He's a senior at West Point Academy this year. Wow, they've really grown up a lot. So we're in San Diego with a bunch of kids when we lived down in Tucson. We used to play a bunch of games, right? Super fun games. And Drew, this is really a story about Drew, not even kidding. The kid in front. Drew is a funny kid, okay? Like when Drew would play hide-and-go-seek as a little kid, he never got the point, ever. Like not once. Like, J.D. would hide and try to be quiet, you know, and he could be there for a long time. And Drew would be like, you can't find me. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I could be blind and still find you. <laughs> you can't find me. And I used to think, like, oh, you're never going to get the point of this game. Except as he's gotten a little bit older, I realized that he had the point all along. So when you're a little kid, what do you want? Do you want to be lost? You want to be found. He just had zero delayed gratification. <laughs> he wanted to be found now. <laughs> Drew says funny things, like weird things. Sometimes JD will retweet them, and I shouldn't tell you that because you'll start <laughs> looking at him. It's like he is the quotable Drew Blacksmith. And, and, and he's a super smart kid, and he's great, but he says dumb things, okay? It just happened. <laughs> he does it, I think, because he knows he's funny, but... Once, but it started when he was little, we just called him Druisms. He'd stay, say, he goes, it, this, when things, do people in China, the things that in the back of, uh, on the back of something that says made in China, does it say made in China in Chinese on their stuff? So just be kind of like, hmm, that's a pretty good question, Drew. Weird, but you know. <laughs> He'd say, when people move, do they take their toilet seats with them? LAUGHTER 
Which, P.S., is a great question. Right after you said that, I'm going, we're going home to change those suckers. <laughs> I mean, the people that lived in here before us kept the carpets a mess. What do you think they did with the toilet seats? Let's get rid of So, you'll all be changing them. Home Depot thanks me. Okay, so, so today, just today, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, Drew is talking to our dog, Rexy, because people talk to their dogs. And... Rexy had the cone of shame on for about six weeks. She just, she was biting herself all the time, which is sad, but worse than that, she would bleed, and she'd bleed on my carpet. I didn't want to clean anymore. So cone of shame goes into place. Cone of shame's off. She's feeling good, looking good. Went to the groomer, got a little bow, and he says, Dad, you know, people, some people think that there's a dog heaven or a cat heaven, and other people think that your pets come with you to heaven. It's like, what do you think? I'm like, I, you know, I haven't thought that much about it, but, I, you know, I could look it up or ask Ryan or something. He's smart, you know, and they, they could check it out. And, and he goes, yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. But he, <laughs> he turns to the dog <laughs> and he says, Rexy, this is a quote. <laughs> when we're up in heaven, I'm going to have had a lot more dogs after you. So you're going to need to come up to me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I tell you what, whether it's playing hide and go seek in a horrible way or talking to the dogs, our kids have, um, you know, they captured our hearts a long time ago. We're taken by them. We, we really like them. But I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a decent dad. But see, the Bible makes it really clear that the good things that any person can do are like filth compared to the good things that God has in store for us and wants for us. But you can picture me right now, and you could think, that guy's probably a pretty good dad. Wouldn't be that bad. You know, being that family, they, they seem pretty neat. But it's probably harder for you to picture God looking at you, adoring you more than I adore my kids, loving you more. It's not meant to be that way. The fact that it's hard for us to understand and believe a God like that is is a function of this broken world. Because being in an intimate relationship with God and exercising that relationship, talking with God, being with God, moving forward in a future with God, should be as natural as breathing. But something's hijacked that. First and foremost, let's at least take a look at can we believe the things that God says about God? You know, if you were to take a look at, um, if you have your Bible, or you could look up on here, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 says this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I love this part at the beginning, by the way, that God gets that we might be afraid of him. That God gets that sometimes God's intentions might be misunderstood. Now, first of all, in this passage, um, we're hearing, don't be afraid of all the rest of the stuff in the world. Don't be afraid of the things that you see, because I'm with you. But I, I still think that what would be interesting is to know that sometimes the very thing that we're afraid of most is the God who might find us out. But not if it's just God, right? I'm not making this stuff up. I've ransomed you. I've paid for you. I've bought you into relationship with me. I've called you by name. I know your name. Do you know that God knows your name? Knows all the days he has for you before even one of them has happened. Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? 
We don't believe that. We mostly don't believe that. But God's formed us and called us to himself. Oh, if that's true, this could be an interesting life. Do you believe that God loves you just as you are, not as you should be? I think we only mostly believe that at best. We only mostly believe. If just for a weekend, I'd like to live like it were true and see what that might carry on into the next 20 years of your life. You know, it doesn't just, it's not just revealed here in Isaiah, but if you go back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, at the very beginning of Genesis, you have to understand that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all a part of creation. God was there. In John chapter 1, makes it very, very clear. It says that the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then later in John chapter 1, verse about 14 and 15, says, and the Word became flesh. Jesus was with God in creation, and the Holy Spirit was there. Do you know, again, just God's intention in creation, that we were not created out of some lacking that God had? The Trinity was perfect and complete. And the abiding element that moved throughout their relationship was love. God didn't create us out of a lack. God's love wasn't made perfect once we were formed. This is good news, that we don't have a needy God. God was perfect and complete and still chose to create us. But why? To have something to give glory, to kind of reflect his glory, you know what? You could have just stuck with the planets in creation. Anybody get to see a mountain today on their way driving out here in the sunshine? They're wicked cool. Like you look at them and kind of go, nice work, Lord. That's, that's awesome. And God's creation that's not human doesn't give them any back talk. None, zero. Matter of fact, when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem, just before he would be handed over to die for us, and people started bowing down and worshiping him. Do you remember this? If you know any Jesus stories going on, do you remember people are bowing down and worshiping him? And some of the religious leaders at the time got around. They said, stop your disciples from worshiping you. Which, by the way, was the right thing for them to ask, right? Unless he was God. And Jesus knew that. He was a good Jew, and he was a rabbi and a teacher, and he would know that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall have no other God besides this God. You can't receive worship Unless you're God, and Jesus knew that, and he received worship. Just a side note, but you can think who, you can decide for yourself who Jesus is, but don't believe any of the nonsense that he didn't believe that he was God. Among other things, he received worship. As a matter of fact, when they said, you should tell your disciples to be quiet, and this is the part that's so cool about his creation, what did he say? He goes, I tell you the truth. If they're quiet, then what? The rocks will cry out that he is God. No, no, no. It wasn't to just honor himself that we were created because everything else in creation did that, including the animals. But there was one that would be made in God's image, and that is us, male and female. And not out of need, but out of love, we were created. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm a pretty simple guy, but you find me another reason why we were created. Sure to give glory and honor to God. But the God wanted one to be in relationship with, that God could love, and he loves us. He's formed us and called us by name, knows your name. That changes things for me, because 
When I was your age, I was trying to figure out God and trying to figure out myself at the same time. Anybody else trying to do that? It's kind of a cool thing, time of life. Trying to figure out who you are. But it's difficult to figure out who we are by looking at ourselves because we're affected by our own narcissism. Sorry, me at least. We're affected by our own insecurities. We're affected by our limited perspective. But if we could see ourselves through God's eyes, then we can truly know who we are and who we're meant to be. God adores you. I'm going to give you some questions to kick around in a little. We're going to break into small groups in just a moment here. We're going to do another song, and then we'll break into small groups. But before I do that, I just want to read through briefly the story of a guy named Zacchaeus. And the reason that I want to do that is because, again, not just the God of the Old Testament, not just the God of my creation, but the God of revelation, Jesus Christ, God with skin on him, walked around. And so it makes sense to me that what Jesus did and how Jesus interacted with people would matter to us. That's what God is like. That's who God is. So here is Jesus in Luke chapter 19, wandering into Jericho, and he runs into a guy named Zacchaeus and says that there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and very wealthy. He was probably in the foster school business. He was either an accountant or a finance major. I'm told that's how you say it. <laughs> he was really wealthy. And if you don't know, the, the way he got wealthy is cheating everybody around him. He had to turn in a certain amount of tax to the government, and so he collected that plus some for himself. Nobody liked him. He was a traitor to his people. And so wouldn't he be outside of a relationship with God? There's no way God would want to be with Zacchaeus. So he wanted to see Jesus, though. I don't know how you view yourself, but I think most people want to get a good look at Jesus for themselves, whether or not they think Jesus wants to look at them. So he's like us. It says, but being the short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see, see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He came down at once. And he welcomed him gladly. And then the story goes on. Everybody gets mad. People always get mad when Jesus like loves somebody. Always. <laughs> they either figure that should have been me or that definitely shouldn't be that guy. Because we're good at judging ourselves. Compared to all the rest of you, I'm pretty good and I'm probably closer to God than you are. Probably true. Not true. <laughs> Not true at all. I used volume for purpose at that point. <laughs> Not true at all. We sometimes want to do that. But Jesus walks to this guy. Now, check it out. He calls him by name. And it says Zacchaeus came down gladly. When he went up into the tree, he wasn't thinking that if God showed up, he would gladly step into a relationship with him. And literally, Jesus invited himself over for dinner. It's a very intimate thing. He did so gladly because here's what I believe. If you believe that the God of the universe called your name out tonight, that he really was God and knew the crap of your life and still wanted to be with you, it's kind of like God saying, would you like a new life? And you know what? I bet you take it. I bet you take it. The question isn't whether or not God has something wonderful for you to fill your life. It's whether or not you want to take the life that he has for you by responding to his call of love. I love my kids. It's nothing like God loves me. Nothing. Nothing like he loves you. Can you believe that? Can you even begin to imagine that tonight? Because if you can it changes everything from now until forever.
Let's pray and I'll give you the questions. God, thanks so much for the chance to be here tonight, to hang out, to talk about you, and then now with our friends to be able to talk um, with one another, to try and figure some things out together. God, I pray that not only you'd be in our midst, but that you would speak louder than our own voices and the crap that keeps us from you, the stuff that says that we're not worthy, or the stuff that tells us we're already there. If we're not, if we are, great. If we're not, why would we settle for pretending for life with you when we can actually have it? Call us by name, and we'll come to you gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the um, worship team comes up, the three questions will um, just will be this tonight. One, um, I mentioned the story of Zacchaeus, but you may have a favorite Jesus story. So after you do the little meet and greet stuff, what's your favorite Jesus story? Is it Jesus with the leper? Is it Jesus walking on, Peter walking on the water? What, what is your favorite Jesus story? And maybe why? Do you picture yourself in it? Um, second question is this, who adores you? Who in this world adores you? Because I've essentially described a God that thinks you're amazing and loves you. Is there anybody in this world that makes you feel that way? And what do they do that makes you feel that way? I guess finally, in that question, do you believe that God feels that way about you? And the final question, and these will be up there. In the last year, you feel like you're closer to God? You're further away from God? Maybe you've been running away? Or you're about the same? And do you like where you are? That's all. Thanks so much for listening. We'll worship together and you'll go to your, your, your group. Thanks.